Well, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 12 as we continue our series in the Gospel of Mark and looking into the life and teaching of Jesus. Um, We're going to be talking this morning about giving our all, about uh, the the widow who gave her two copper coins. And I I, I found kind of a a modern... um, Kind of a modern equivalent, I guess, to that story. Uh, and you can read about this guy online. Albert Lexi, L-E-X-I-E, is this guy's name. You should look him up. Uh, but he was a shoeshine man. And for the last 30 years, Albert has been uh, shining shoes inside the Pittsburgh Children's Hospital. And uh, he charges $5.00. And he decided when he started that he would give all of his tips to the hospital and specifically to a fund that uh, allows parents to pay for their kids. Um, It's called the Children's Hospital Free Care Fund. And when parents couldn't pay for their children's care, then this money would go to help the parents. Uh, He didn't get big tips. People would give a dollar, give a couple dollars. Uh, One time he had a doctor give him $50, a tip for $50, and he said that was amazing, but not many tips like that. Um, But since that time, he's donated a third of his earnings and all of his tips to the hospital. And the hospital uh, said that he had given over $200,000. I know, when when I read that, I was like, what? That's crazy from a shoeshine guy. You'd think maybe a professional athlete would be able to give that kind of money, but, you know, a, a shoeshine guy? Well, the, the money adds up. And uh, Albert it, it just was such a great example of that. I thought, you know, even small amounts, when they're given faithfully, uh, can leave a powerful legacy. And, and think of this woman. We're still talking about her today. Over 2,000 years ago, she gave these two copper coins. And uh, it was out of a desire to give her all for God. So uh, a a little history here I think would be helpful. The The Sadducees uh, believed that God rewarded a righteous life. And, And after this life, they would go into nothingness. That's what the Sadducees believed. Uh, And so they believe that rich people are shown to be righteous because they're rich, because God has blessed them. We know that's not true. That's what the Sadducees thought. And that the the wicked, the poor were proven wicked by their poverty. That's what was in the mind of the Sadducees that Jesus is, is talking to. While the Pharisees believed in rewards and punishment in the next life, They also believed that wealth was a sign of God's favor and that misfortune uh, was the result of God's judgment for sin. And again, we know that's not true, but that's what the Pharisees believed, who Jesus is dealing with. So this short account sets the record straight about the poor. And uh, and a, a lot of the Christians were poor and they were being persecuted. And they were facing hardship under the Roman emperor. And that's the context and who's listening to Jesus 
as he shares this story. So here it is. Let's read Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is God's word. So at the top of the outline, uh, we have this, this, to the scribes, lack of responsiveness, if you remember over the last weeks, uh, to, to, to God's grace. In the previous section that we looked at, Mark contrasts this widow's simple, unconditional responsiveness. Jesus pays no attention to the amount of money this woman gave but only to the abundance of her generosity. Even when we have limited means, God wants us to respond faithfully. The amount doesn't matter. What matters is our heart, and that's what we're going to be looking at. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about money. Uh, And we desperately need to hear what the Bible has to say. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, There your heart will be also in Matthew chapter 6. So where is your treasure? Where is your heart? As genuine believers, we want our our, our heart to be in the right place. The widow we just read about clearly had her heart in the right place. So what are the lessons that we can learn from this account? Well, first of all, and this is number one on your outline, Jesus sees what we give. Uh, in this one, we find a living example of, of Mark 12, 30, verse 30. You can look back at verse 30 in, in this chapter of someone who loves the Lord, her God, with all of her heart and her soul and all of her strength and her mind. So can you imagine the, I mean, I, I would sure feel intimidated if Jesus was sitting watching everybody who put money into the offering. But he does that every day. Every day he sees what we give. Uh, the container they put money in made noise. It was a copper, usually container, something that was out of metal. And so they would, it would make a lot of noise. Can you imagine a coin dropping in? Can you imagine a lot of coins being dropped in? A lot of coins made a lot of noise. And a few coins made a little noise. And what this widow put in made very little noise. So also on your outline, uh, some give a lot because they have a lot. Jesus watched as many rich people threw in large sums, it says. The, the, the rich and the influential have a lot to give because uh, and, and they give a lot. And that's great. Again, what, what matters the most is our heart. 
But what about Jesus? Was he impressed with those people that gave a lot? He was not. But he was impressed with this woman and what she gave. And that leads to the next thing that we see here, and that is that some, and this is on your outline, some give their all even though they have very little. Uh, Back in chapter 10, Jesus heard the cry of the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, when everyone else seemed to be deaf to his calls. And so I I can't help but think that God in his sovereignty uh, allowed Jesus to see into the, uh, many times, into the hearts of men. Uh, But he heard Bartimaeus and and he uh, sees the generosity and the sacrificial gift of this poor widow. And when no one else seemed to, everyone else seemed to miss her. And, and so being poor, think about this woman in the context. If you remember, we talked about the shepherds over Christmas and, and how disregarded and disrespected they were. They weren't allowed to even, the shepherds weren't allowed to testify in a court of law. But this woman is poor. She is a woman which in the first century was not to her advantage, and she was a widow. And, and again, pretty low on the totem pole. We don't know where she was on the social ladder, but just maybe only the shepherds were beneath her. But it says she gave her offering as two very small copper coins. Uh, two of them would be worth about one sixty-fourth of a Roman denarius, which was basically a day's wage. So let's say you earn, uh, you know, a hundred dollars. You're talking about maybe a a dollar fifty that you would be giving. That would be the the equivalent of it. First um, Samuel sixteen verse seven. You have on the outline. In fact, you know what? This is a great one for us to to read out loud together. Let's read it together. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesus knew supernaturally what this woman woman had given. And she'd given her all. Uh, Even though she had so little, it was great in God's eyes what she gave. Um, I think everybody here knows the name Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in the world, one of the richest men in America. And uh, I read an interesting interview that he had done, and this is a, a paraphrase of what he said, but it's pretty close. He, 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 he was commenting, commenting on the $26 billion gift he made to his friend Bill Gates and his foundation, the Gates Foundation. And, and here's what Warren Buffett said. He said, my gift has not changed my lifestyle one bit. I still go to the movies I want to go to, I still eat at the restaurants that I want to eat at. Uh, But what about the person who gives a gift that requires they can't go to the movies and they can't eat out? They are the true givers, he said. They are the true heroes of generosity. Wow, I thought that was pretty good. And that leads to the next thing here that that, uh, is in these verses in the last two verses here that we're looking at, and that is Jesus knows why we give. Jesus knows why we give. With his divine insight, Jesus saw both the act and the motive behind the act. He knew those 
who gave only because others were watching. And he knew those who gave because, uh, even when no one was watching, because they wanted to out of the, the goodness of their hearts. That was their motive, to please the Lord. And then once again, and Jesus keeps doing this as we read through the gospel of Mark, turning the value system of the world on its head. He keeps doing that and he does it here. And we know this because this teaching time begins with, it says, look at verse 43, calling his disciples to him. So this is a teaching time. He wants to teach the disciples. And and, and it's what he does here in these verses. And he begins with the words, truly I tell you. He says those words 13 times in the book of Mark. And each time it just, it, Jesus' words always have weight. But when he says this, he's like, I want you to pay a special attention to these words, to this, what I'm saying to you here. And, uh, and what this woman seems to know is that God owns it all. Everything we have belongs to him. And, and he calls us as Christians to be stewards of what he has blessed us with. There are a couple of implications to God's ultimate ownership of everything we have. Think about that. If God owns everything we have, and we can include in that the people that are in our lives. They're his. <clears throat> he gives them as a gift to us. Uh, one of those implications is that every money decision is really a decision that should be prayed about. It's really a spiritual decision. So think about that. <clears throat> when you make a financial decision, do you pray about it? I think that's an implication of the fact that God owns it all. This woman gave her all. Uh, and, and we can learn from that. And as a steward... <clears throat> Of course, we have a lot of latitude of where we give what we give. But someday, and we need to realize this, we will give an accounting to God of <clears throat> how we stewarded what he gave us. Um, another implication is that I can't fake stewardship. Uh, there's a Christian financial expert, Ron Blue. Maybe you know that name, but... Ron Blue put it like this, a person who has been a Christian for any amount of time can fake prayer, can fake Bible study, you can fake evangelism, you can fake going to church, you, know, you can go but not really be there in your heart. But he says, you can't fake your bank statement. It will reveal what you give. Uh, Look at the end of verse 43. This poor widow has put into the treasury, uh, has put more into the treasury than all the others. In other words, verse 43 teaches, and this is on your outline, that sacrificial giving honors Christ even if the amount is small. The bottom line, we keep going back to this, is God sees our heart. No matter what we give, he sees our heart. Jesus commends this poor widow because she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So think about this. She had two coins. How easy it would have been to keep one of them. I need to keep this for, uh, for food for myself for today. I need to keep this other coin. She gave it all. She gave, her sacrifice was a great one. The amount she gave wasn't large, 
but her sacrifice was. So here's where, at least reading through this, I wish we knew more about this woman. What made her poor? How did she lose her husband? What kind of support did she have? How was she getting by? How was she suffering? We don't know the answer to those questions. I would have loved to have known them. But when it comes to giving, it's, and this is the next thing on your outline, it's the posture of our heart, the attitude of our heart that matters. You know, when you and I write a check to the IRS, uh, guess what? The IRS doesn't care if you give willingly or grudgingly. They just want your money. But it's not that way with God and giving to him. If I give all I possess to the poor, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. That's right, nothing. But every penny I give with a heart like this widow There's great gain for me with the Lord. There's great gain for God. He's glorified. So how much are we to give? Well, a a rule of thumb, we all know this, is we talk about the tithe. Uh, Jesus says, I think it's in Matthew, I don't, I can't remember, 21, 21, it's or 22, 22. Maybe it's 23, 23. I'm not sure (laughs) what the reference is. I just know the chapter and the verse are the same. (laughs) But he says, go ahead and, and keep giving your tithe. Jesus commends the tithe. But he says, don't forget the more important things of the law. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a great, a, a great way to start. Maybe it's a great goal to attain to. And then we keep pushing that goal. Uh, and, and we give what we can. We give as much as we can. The, the bottom line is that giving is an act of worship. And, and our reasonable worship is to give our whole selves to the Lord. But part of that, part of what we give is our finances. Um, And there's so many truths in God's word that help us understand some of the the basics of of giving and what giving is all about. It's it's all about what we've already mentioned, the grace of God, of what what we've received from him. And there's so much to say about it. We can't cover it all. But I I thought it would be helpful to, to just cover a couple of the principles on giving. Uh, and so you've got them on your outline. The first one is that giving is investing with God. Uh, given, it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. When we invest money, when we invest our own money for our money to grow, we, we want it to, we don't want to lose it and we, we want it to grow. We're concerned about that. We're sometimes consumed about that. When we invest with God, the goal is that it deepens our trust in him. That's the goal. It deepens our trust in him. And then the next one is that giving is more than just what we have. Uh, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. If you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And so giving to God is primarily about being faithful, about being faithful with our life and with everything that we have. 
You don't have to have a lot of money, what this woman teaches us so clearly, to give sacrificially. First and foremost, it's about us giving our lives to God. The the next principle that I've got down there is that giving should not always be about demonstrating, should always be about demonstrating love, not law. Not law. I'm, I'm testing how genuine your love is, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8. By comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty, you could, he could make you rich. So that's a, a, the spiritual riches we have in Christ. So love and gratitude to God is, is who he is, what he has done for us. That's the foundation of the grace of giving, giving that's full of grace. And then next, uh, the next one is, as Jesus gave generously to us, we ought to be generous with others. Second Corinthians chapter eight, they're being tested by many troubles, Paul writes, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Many troubles, very poor, but filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, Paul writes, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. That's generosity. Just as Jesus has given to us, we turn around and, and, and we become Christ-like as we become givers. We're we're humble before God. We look to the cross and and we give. For God so loved the world that he, what? That's right. That's the essence of God's nature. He is a giver. And so every time we give, we're reflecting who God is. And then the next one is our giving is to be joyful. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Our attitude in giving is as important as the act of giving itself. And when giving does not fill us with joy, it's evidence that there's a deeper problem that we need to deal with. Have you ever had someone give you a gift that, they, that you knew they couldn't really afford? And how honored you feel by that? And how special you feel when someone gives you a gift like that? And, and your first response is, oh man, I, I know this was, I, I know this comes from a heart of love and generosity. Thank you. What else can we say? We're so grateful when we experience something like that. And it's so revealing of one's heart. Of generosity. And the next thing is that biblical giving means giving God everything. That we give him ourselves. And we make ourselves available to him all the time. Again, in 2 Corinthians 8, Paul writes, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So total discipleship goes far beyond financial giving. Uh, We're to act in obedience to God. If we're to see God work in our lives, that's what he wants us to. 
That's how he says so clearly in John, if you love me, you will obey me. Uh, And that's what he wants from us. He wants a life of obedience. The motivation to do this is, is, is gratitude for what God's done for us in Christ. Gave up his riches to make us strong. And so we act in obedience out of that. You know, as we return a portion of that blessing to God, we, we acknowledge that, that we've received so many blessings from God, that we're grateful. We give out of our gratefulness. You know, it, it would be like a, a, a dad who uh, took his family to a, a, a football game. And during the game, his dad, uh, a daughter said, dad, can you give me some money for some candy? And the dad wasn't a big candy guy. So he said, yeah, he gives her $5 and he says, sure, go get some candy. And she comes back with all these Skittles. And um, uh, he says, hey, can I have a couple Skittles? And, and she says, uh, no, they're mine. Well, the, the, you know, the daughter didn't understand a few things. Um, she didn't understand that the fact that, that it was her dad that bought the Skittles for, provided the money. She didn't realize that her dad's uh, strong and could take the Skittles from her if he wanted. And she didn't understand that her dad could go and put, uh, uh, buy 500 boxes of Skittles and put them on her I put him on his credit card and, and have more Skittles than she could ever eat in a lifetime. And, and so think about our lives in terms of those Skittles. We all have Skittles. I don't even like Skittles that much, but just for the sake of the story here, we all have Skittles. Some of us have a pretty nice sized pile of Skittles. Um, and others have a medium sized pile and some have little bags of Skittles. And if I have some, I'll give them to you. I don't like Skittles. But our, our loving God comes to us and he says, hey, would you bring me some of your Skittles? And we go, no, they're mine. And God says, hey, please bring, bring me some Skittles. And, uh, and we go, wow, man, I, I made those Skittles. I own those Skittles. And just like that little, that guy's little daughter and we don't understand. It was God who gave them to us to begin with. He, he bought them. In an instant, God could take all of our Skittles from us. And we also don't understand that God could rain down so many Skittles on our lives that we wouldn't know what to do with them. We couldn't possibly spend or enjoy them all. So what are you doing with your Skittles? The other lesson that Jesus gives us here that we can't miss is that, and this is on your outline, small or large, what matters, and we've said it a hundred times already today, is our heart attitude. That's what we can always check with the Lord. Lord, what's my attitude? What's my heart in this? Jesus did see the others gave. It says they gave out of all their wealth. Their giving was comfortable. They're giving from God's perspective when he sees their motives. It it wasn't giving that came from the heart. You know, there's a story of the uh, chicken and pig are walking down the street and they noticed all these children that hadn't eaten breakfast and the chicken says to the pig, I think we ought to give them a a great ham and eggs breakfast. 
The pig said, you know what? That's easy for you to say. You just give a, a little sacrifice. For me, it's complete, total sacrifice. No, I don't want to give. You give eggs. I'm not going to give my ham. So what does God want from us? He wants more than just a small sacrifice of our, our time and our energy and our money from time to time. He wants all of us. I think that's what we learn from this story. And, and when we come to Jesus, he calls us to total commitment. That's what Jesus modeled for us. It says, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if any of you wants to be, be, be my follower, you must give up your own self, take up your cross daily, and follow me. This widow's sacrificial giving, we have to see it in part as a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us. She gave all she had just as Jesus gave all he had. Several times in Proverbs, we read uh, that, that God says, uh, if you insult the poor, you insult me. And, and we look at that and we go, wow, God emotionally identifies with those who are poor. But in the New Testament, we see Jesus, in Jesus, that God literally identified with the poor. Because he came to earth, when Jesus came to earth, he, he, he became a poor man. He gave up all of his riches. He was born in a manger to poor parents. Jesus says in Matthew 8, foxes have dens and to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He was homeless. But on the cross, he was stripped absolutely naked and, and became absolutely penniless. And of all the religions on the face of the earth, only Christianity dares to say that God actually became poor. He was actually exploited. Only Christianity says that. On the cross, he became weak for you, for me. On the cross, Jesus was stripped naked, and, and we ask why, and he says, because on the cross, I, who deserved justice, got condemnation. So that you, who deserve condemnation, could get God's justice. That's what Jesus did. That's what he says by his actions. I paid your penalty so you could be saved by faith. By grace, through faith. And now we see this widow simply points us to Jesus. The widow, as wonderful as she was, as brave as she was, was only symbolically giving her life away. But when David's Lord became David's son, like we looked at a couple weeks ago, he literally gave his life away. He gave his life for you. Why wouldn't you want to trust him completely? After all he's given for you. 
Jesus is not saying, oh, please trust this remote God with your whole life. No, he's saying, I want you to trust the God who came to earth and gave himself completely for you. No other religion says anything like that. If you see Jesus doing that, if you see Jesus giving his life away, if if you can grasp that, it will melt your heart. And, And it'll give you the power to trust him completely. And so it's it's saying, Father, I understand that I'm flawed. But I also understand that in Jesus, I'm perfect. And I trust in him thoroughly and completely for my standing before you. That's what it means to be a Christian. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, this widow points us to Jesus who gave his all, trusted completely, And when we see him doing that, it brings us to a place where where we can get out of our skepticism, we can get out of our religion and trust you. Father, in many ways, it's just a simple lesson. But through your word, please drive it into our hearts because our hearts still resist. We want to hold on to all of our skittles. And it will only find true life abundant life and eternal life by resting completely and totally, totally in you. Help us do that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the God of peace equip you with all you need for surrendering all, for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. God bless. Have a great day.